0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Revelation is repeated again and again. that
1: All the crowns, you know, the beast has crowns. The kings of the earth have crowns. There's all these crowns. They're all fighting over the crowns. I want this crown. I want this crown. I want this crown. And this person that wants this crown, and this person really is in charge. And Jesus comes, and on his head, on his head is every crown for every nation, every place, every people, forever, for all time. Every single crown on his head by prophetic literature, you're like, is that even possible? Yup. All of them.
0: God, oh my soul. The Bible declares that Jesus is king over every king and Lord over every lord, yet all over the earth, people are fighting for power. Pastor Ricky reminds us today that no matter how strong someone seems, their power is insignificant compared to that of King Jesus, and the book of Revelation shows us that one day, Jesus' reign and sovereignty will be total, and every knee will bow to his authority. For those of us that follow Jesus, this is great news. Our King will reign with justice and goodness. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 19 as he continues his message, The Return of the King.
1: Why in the world would Revelation be written to these Christians where the message essentially is, oh, it's far worse than you think? For the Christians who are saying, hey, Jesus, it's bad down here. Jesus' responds, in his revelation is, oh, it's, it's way worse than that meaning that the governing authority you're worried about, no, 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 actually, (laughs) it's way worse. There's an evil beast behind him. Or this false teaching that's infecting the church, it's not just some false teaching, it is the false prophet leading you away, meaning you're caught on this battlefield. Wake up, look around, this is war. Sometimes we, we think about life as, you know, I heard somebody say one time that, that essentially because of the advent of movies and television, we all have a story and we're all the hero of our own story and we're all telling ourselves a story about ourselves. And so some of us are, you know, maybe you're single and you're like, my life is a romantic comedy of hijinks and best friends and, you know, misunderstandings and, you know, it's, it's kind of adorable and eventually they will be the meet cute and I'll find the one and I'll be happy forever. Or you think, man, I'm a, this is, my life is a buddy comedy. Me and my buddy, we get in all kinds of trouble. We have so much fun. Like, this is great. We hang out every weekend. Or you're, I think most probably common, a superhero, meaning that like you've got some super special ability that nobody else around you sees, but someday you you will be un, your power will be unlocked and everyone will cheer as you soar across the sky, whatever that means for you. Revelation comes to us and says, oh, uh, you're... Not in a romantic comedy. You're not in a buddy comedy. You're in a war. And in a sense, we we must come awake to the reality that there is a battlefield, that we walk the the, the, the the floor we walk on is a battlefield. That the life we live is lived at war. And you're like, well, I don't really want to do that. Don't care, that's what's happening. But I want the romantic comedy. Great. See if you can sneak it in between getting shelled by artillery. Like that, you know, if you meet somebody, get married, great, good for you. We'll do a quick wedding. This is war. This is war. Listen, Christian, we must wake up and realize that our life is not just wake up, go to work, go to bed. I mean, wake up, go to work, pick up the kids, watch some Netflix, go to bed. Wake up again, go to work. Pick up the kids, watch some Netflix, go to bed. If if you think your life is that, you are missing it. This is a battlefield. And I think Revelation also calls us to remember that we must be careful to remember the battle we are fighting. Ephesians 6.12 reminds us that we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the heavenly realms. That is what Revelation is. Our, Our world right now is consumed by conflict. There is constant conflict and and warfare of various kinds. It it ranges from the mundane to the extreme, okay? There is a war going on right now in the parenting world where the free-range parents align themselves with child-led education. And over here, the structured parents have a schedule for their kids and a checklist for every single task, right? And the two lob Instagram posts back and forth who will emerge victorious? We don't know. We'll wait till your kids grow up and see. Or moving into more serious waters, perhaps the, the vaccine versus the anti-vaccine crowd. How could you put something like that in your body? How could you not, right? This It kind of feels like the defining struggle. Or to go further to the serious, Democrat versus Republican. This candidate versus that candidate. Or further, woke versus non-woke. Now listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that these things are unimportant. I am saying, and I believe the text is saying, Revelation itself is saying, that the defining battle is the kingdom of Christ against the kingdom of the dragon in this world. That is the fight. And, and what will happen is we will get lost along the way and start fighting other battles forgetting the defining battle. I was so grateful for a brother who, in between services, reminded me of 2 Timothy 2, where Paul uses the, the metaphor of the soldier, and he, Paul literally, literally tells Timothy, no soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but he remembers that he's obeying his commander. Meaning this, if you're at war and you're wandering off like looking for souvenirs, or even back in the trench arguing politics, Again, I'm not saying that's unimportant, but forgetting that you're on a battlefield. And that adds clarity and urgency to how we prioritize our lives and what we fight for. Listen, Jesus in Scripture, there's glorious hope. Jesus in Revelation is bringing his kingdom. He is gathering to himself people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he has given the church the task of going therefore and being his witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth that more might hear and more might be saved. And why is there even a gap between Jesus' ascension and his return? It is, we don't know all the reasons in the providence of God, but we know one absolutely clear reason. He delays that more may be gathered to the kingdom of Christ. That the church, faithful its task, wages warfare through the proclamation of the gospel and display of it to those around them who are perishing. That is clarifying. Imagine you're at a 4th of July cookout and you invite a neighbor over on a whim and he comes over and he brings some drinks and you start chatting and you realize, oh my gosh, the politician whose face is on my dartboard in the back of the house is his favorite person. And you start, you know, like, well, you know, let's talk more broadly. You know, what are your other interests? And he's just like, oh, communism. Love communism. <laughs> Go to sleep in a communist blanket every night. You got the hammer and the sickle right there. I love it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know. And you're like, well, why don't we just play some music? And he's like, great, I got an iPod. All that's in there is Nickelback. I love Nickelback. You're like, oh, my gosh. Okay, what do you do? I'm trying to bring this all the way down to the ground level. What do you do in that moment? Now, you can talk politics. That's not wrong. maybe may be helpful to him. You could try to explain his, expand his musical selections. That may be helpful to him in some ways well. Oh, but brothers and sisters, it is so helpful to remember, we are on a battlefield and the dragon is raging and desires to have this neighbor and he is being deceived across the board by the false prophet and you look at him and you see a prisoner of war that Christ can set free. That changes the way you think about life. First, remember, you're on the battlefield. Behold the battlefield. Second, behold the king. Now, Revelation is utterly honest about the power of the dark forces arrayed against the church. Through the context of Revelation, you see almost arrayed on this side of the battlefield is the dragon behind it all, the beast raging, the false prophet deceiving, Babylon with her siren song. All the kings of the earth, it keeps saying, all the kings of the earth gathered, gathered. It says in Revelation 20, their number is like the sand of the sea. This is not a few folks. This is a massive, seemingly unstoppable army with illusion and power and tricks of every kind, and they come against the people of God. Who can stand against them? This is what Revelation 19 answers. This is why Revelation 19 gives such a long list of character attributes for the one who stands on the opposite battle line. Oh, Christian, as we look at this, oh, Father, may we behold the king. May we behold the king today. Verse 11, then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now, listen, that, that is significant. When Caesar would conquer, he would come in, On a white horse as Rome rejoiced around him. The white horse symbolizing victory. Why is Jesus riding a white horse of victory? Well, lest you forget, let me remind you of his biography. He, the word that created the world. Became man, humbling himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, and he seemingly was defeated. Only, only to wrestle against death itself and come back from the dead. Only to to, to pay for the sins of his people and emerge victorious on the third day from the grave. Do you see this white horse? You see a a glimpse of 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 him coming into Jerusalem and people crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He comes now. And he comes mounted not on a donkey, not in humility, but on a horse, on a war horse. This is the warrior unveiled, unbridled. It says the one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Look, on this side, on this battle line, the, the beast and the dragon, they make all kinds of false promises and they break every one of them. But over here, the faithful, the true comes to fulfill every single promise ever made in the Bible. Look, search the Bible for yourself and see, come show me, is there a promise of God that will not be kept in the end? Or he, will he not keep them all? Promises of salvation, promises of mercy, and yes, promises of justice, promises of judgment. He comes to keep every single one. Verse 12, his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on, on his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself, right? There is so much deception, smoke on the earth, there's fog of war, but the king's eyes burn with clear vision, and he sees through every deception, every illusion. He seems as, sees everybody as they are. And on his head are many crowns. Now, it, Revelation is repeated again and again. that All the crowns, you know, the beast has crowns. The kings of the earth have crowns. There's all these crowns. They're all fighting over the crowns. I want this crown. I want this crown. I want that crown. And this person that wants this crown, and this person really is in charge. And Jesus comes, and on his head... On his head is every crown for every nation, every place, every people for, ever, for all time. Every single crown on his head. So in prophetic literature, you're like, is that even possible? Yup. All of them. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. This is a fascinating phrase. I'll just say this about it. The the beast's forces, the dragon's forces always appear larger than they actually are, Right? They always seem large, but when you come up to them, they're actually quite small and limited. The rider on the white horse is the opposite. The closer you get to him, the larger he appears. The more you learn about him, the more glorious and magnificent and awe-inspiring he is. The depth of his nature and identity are deeper and more powerful than can be grasped or known. Verse 13, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Now, you may, as a good Christian like I did, go like, oh, great, a reference to redemption. You know, the lamb, you know, being slain, it's, you know, the lamb's blood. You know, that's so beautiful. Nope. This ain't his blood. This is a common symbol in the ancient world. If someone's robe dipped in blood means the blood of his enemies. And I tell you what, man, when you are on the battlefield and you see a dude walking towards you covered in blood and it is not his own, you better watch out, okay? I mean, this this, this guy's no joke. That's this figure, that's Jesus. A robe dipped in the blood of his enemies that he has already crushed, coming to crush more. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. But he is the very embodiment of the revelation, character, and, and acts of the Lord. You remember in Revelation 4 and 5 where there was this, this scroll and who could, who could unseal the scroll? And we talked about how the scroll was the purposes of God for blessing and judgment. Remember that? Purposes of God for blessing and judgment. Who can open the scroll? Who can fulfill God's purposes for blessing and judgment? And, and they cried because no one in heaven and on earth could be found who could unseal the scroll. And the lamb, the lion, comes and takes it and un- unrolls the scroll. That is this figure. He is the very word of God that the scroll that God decrees, he flies out into the universe and makes real. The word of God that created reality itself, time, space, oceans, mountains, galaxies, that word of God embodied in human form. That's who this is. And 14, the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Oh, we'll say more about this in a second. But just notice, he brings his army with him. And these are, just so you know, these aren't angels. These are the saints. (laughs) The saints ride to war. Lest you think, okay, well, saints just are going to go up there and play a little harp, you know, like in a cartoon. Bring, bring, you know. And especially if you're a guy, you're like, oh, come on, man. Like, I don't know if I could do that. Don't worry. He calls his army to war. Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. Remember that, that word that, that, that opened reality will close reality. That word that made mountains can unmake mountains, right? His word as soon as it is spoken, does what it says. If you read Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light, and God said, let this happen, and God said, let, that's the word, that's the weapon of the lamb itself. So if you look at this side of the battlefield with the beast and the dragon, you're like, oh my gosh, they have illusions, they have power, they have governments, doesn't matter. The ground they stand on was made by the word of God and he will unmake it in a moment. Fear not christian and then this line he will rule them with a rod of iron right there's so many layers of old testament prophecy on this which we could unpack but that rule them with a rod of iron is a specific reference to to being essentially the the ruler who's unquestioned whose rule is not kind of brittle he's not ruling them with the rod of plastic you leave it in the sun too long it starts to break oh no No, no, this is a rod of iron, and he will, this line is terrifying, he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. Sometimes you try to soften the Bible up where you're just like, well, it's not, you know, it's not like there's, you know, bodies under there that he's smashing and a winepress. No, that's the image. Have you ever seen somebody, you know, that I Love Lucy episode where she's like trying to smash the grapes and the other person's trying to smash the grapes and the, kind of the, the, the wine is flowing out or the grape juice is flowing out and they're, you know, it's funny and everyone's laughing and she's falling in the thing and you're like, ha, 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 this is not like that. This image is an Old Testament image that the wrath of God is like the enemies of God being put under his feet and smashed. That's what this man comes to do. And verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the culminating kind of summary statement of who this this figure is. He is the King over all kings. He is the Lord over all lords. There is not one square inch of all human existence over which he does not rule. There is not one square inch of all the spiritual realms that he does not own. There is no king like him. There is no king near him. There is no king on par with him. There is no king for miles and miles and miles below him. This is the king of kings, the lord of lords. Christian, I want you to say, I want you to feel this. I want you to say, that's my king. That is my king. Behold him there. Now listen, listen. I know I've mentioned this before, but sometimes we can have a lopsided understanding of Jesus. Sometimes we we see, especially in the American church, the, the gentleness of Jesus to the exclusion of his ferocity. Is Jesus gentle? Yes, amen. Thank God that he is. Gentle and lowly in spirit. We can come to him. But he is also breathtakingly fierce. Right, or or we see Jesus with kids around him, right? The image in Sunday school, you know, we, I grew up with on the felt board is there's Jesus and there's all the kids around him, and he's just like a you know, like a like a Mr. Rogers figure, you know. But the problem is if that's the only picture you have in your mind of Jesus, you're like, man, there's some situations in life and in eternity that you don't need Mr. Rogers, right? On this warfare battlefield with the beast and the dragon and, and all of his forces. You don't need Mr. Rogers in a cardigan. You need the rider on the white horse whose garments are stained with the blood of his enemies, riding at the head of a of countless riders that he has redeemed and he rides to war to ruin and to war. Right? This is this is the balance we need in our view of Jesus. And look, the reason I'm saying this is 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 this. Statistically more women than men attend church. And statistically across America, Mother's Day is one of the highest attended church Sundays and Father's Day one of the lowest. What does that tell you? It tells you that on her day, mom wants everyone to go to church and on dad's day, he's like, I'm going fishing or whatever, you know. I don't know where you fish around here. You're gonna shoot stuff in the desert. And, And yeah, I know you guys. Why is that? Well, I don't know all of that, but perhaps part of it is this. I think many men do not see in Jesus a king they respect and who is worthy of their allegiance. And brothers, I think there is something in the heart of every man that longs for a king to follow in a war to fight. Some of you guys in the armed forces are like, yup. Yeah, like, even if you're not, there is something that, that you give a boy a stick in a backyard and give him like a few hours, he's gonna be fighting stuff with the stick. Usually, not every kid, but you know, to be like often. And boys then become men who want to fight, but, the, but but where they go with that desire makes all the difference. Do they funnel it into video games, trying to rank up in Halo or League of Legends? Do they want to bench more than all of their buddies? Do they want to cheer a football team, act like they want a game that other they paid to watch other people win? Now, these things are not necessarily bad. You know, I'm I'm not saying that these things are bad, but brothers, brothers, hear me, hear me. Hear the word of the Lord. You were made for more. You were made for war. You were made for a king. You were made to follow him into battle. You were made to be part of the purposes of God in your generation. That's what this is a call to. Listen, one of my favorite Sections of of the battle in the Lord of the Rings that I think shows us the appropriate response of when we see the king, what happens in our hearts. It says this, this one warrior sees this lost king coming in the distance, and it says this. Then wonder took him, and a great joy, and he cast his sword up in the sunlight and sang as he caught it and all eyes followed his gaze, and behold, upon the foremost ship a great standard broke the flag of the king. Thus came Aragorn, son of Arathorn, out of the paths of the dead, borne upon a wind, and the mirth of the riders was a torrent of laughter and flashing of swords, and the joy and wonder of the city was a music of trumpets and ringing bells. But the hosts of evil were seized with bewilderment. God oh my soul he is strong and he is strong to open God he's a rock in place.
0: he's a mighty fortress. there's much more that Pastor Ricky would like to share with you but we've run out of time for today this has been another edition of better news radio a ministry of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso Texas Pastor Ricky will continue teaching from the book of Revelation next time. For more information about this ministry or about what you've heard today, feel free to send us an email at radio at crossofgraceradio.com. If you'd rather make a phone call, you can do that too. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'd be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can also learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen or download for free at betternewsradio.com. Look under the radio tab. If you notice and click on the church tab, you'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events. You'll find all of that at betternewsradio.com. We also encourage you to look us up on Facebook to find some encouraging content for your newsfeed. That's all the time that we have for today, but thanks again for listening. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say how happy we are that you took the time to hear from God's Word today. Make plans to learn more from Revelation next time on Better News Radio. You.